Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Our number two of OutKick 360's Monday edition, 6th and Peabody, our daily studio location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The crew is all here. Discussing all things NFL and college football, Major League Baseball from the weekend. You can join us on social media through YouTube and more. Just follow us at Outkick360. We hope you'll share the link. If you miss portions of the show, find the podcast daily wherever you download your audio. Just search out Outkick360. Uh, Trey Wallace at Outkick.com had the story based on uh, Nick Saban's postgame comments following Alabama's win over Mississippi State. Uh, regarding Jermaine Burton and the post-game incident on the field at Neyland Stadium the week prior, where he's on camera shoving hand to the face, uh, extending the arm to the female on the field as the, the field storming took place and Burton is slowly walking off the off the field to the tunnel. And are we playing? Are, do we have the audio fully? All right, here is uh, Nick Saban through uh, Alabama Media Relations and, uh, of course, the the athletic department and this is through Trey's tweet and this week went into the went into the decision to play Burton um look I don't know how many of you have ever been in a situation um like that but I talked to him he was scared I was scared some of our other players were scared um I think you learn to respect other people because we have a responsibility to do that regardless of the circumstance that we're in. And, um, you know, I talked to the guy. We have him in a counseling program. It's not an anger management program, as people announced today. Nobody ever said that. That's not the problem. That's not the issue. Um, but it's, it's about having the proper respect for other people. And, um, you know, I, I, I didn't think it was necessary to suspend the guy. So um, if you knew the whole story, maybe you wouldn't either. But I'm not going to divulge that. There's Nick Saban postgame. I don't know what whole story we yeah. need to what see based on the video we witnessed. D- divulge the, the whole story if there's a bigger story to that. Because here's the reality of this. There is no bigger story. Every single Alabama player, support staff, coach, got off that field, got to the locker room, with zero major incidents except for one guy, Jermaine Burton, who knocked the phone and shoved someone, a male uh, Tennessee fan, on his way out, whatever. Not that big of a deal. I would definitely have a conversation with my player saying, let's avoid that. But then he just sideswipes the head of a young woman who is minding her own business. If you've not seen the video, it's up at outkick.com. I am tired of responding to people who are responding to the wrong video or the wrong photo. The photo, uh, the video and photos of him hitting a woman in the head are at outkick.com. Go watch it before you have any opinion on this. Because she was not in his face. 
She was not provoking anyone. She did not even see him. There's a good three to five feet between Jermaine Burton and everyone else as he walks off that field, and he decides to hit the side of this woman's head. I lost a lot of respect for Nick Saban, a guy that I've grown to admire and respect over the years after starting out hating him for a while with that comment. And I lost a lot of respect for Chris Fowler and ESPN also because if ESPN is going to stand up and carry the banner for all things female and empowerment and women's sports and women in all ways, you cannot have one of your lead broadcasters regurgitate that BS from Nick Saban during a game. Cannot happen. Chris Fowler parroting exactly what Saban told them in the Friday meeting is ridiculous. I understand if you're Fowler and Herbstreet, you can't take a torch to Bama in the SEC because ESPN, they're in bed with the SEC big time and even more moving forward. I get that. Here's how you handle that, though. If you're in a meeting and you saw that video and you hear something so stupid as that was that we just heard from Nick Saban that he told them, you look at your broadcast partner afterward and you say, okay, so we're not going to talk about it at all. We're just going to act like it didn't happen, and we're going to call the game straight up, and we're not going to repeat what he just said because that makes no sense. Because he did not hit anyone because he was afraid in the moment. There was no one provoking him at that time. Certainly not the woman he hit. I lost a lot of respect for a number of people over the weekend with us. This is where the absolute power of Nick Saban becomes a danger, like a real danger, because... His making it like there's some big background story. He believes. He believes that there's some story here that's untold. And now he's making this kid into a victim when the kid actually did something that created a victim. The woman, whether she sees Burton or not, she senses something's coming and she takes a big sidestep like you do in a crowd. Like you're, yeah, We've all been in a crowd or, you know, just on a busy sidewalk. You feel something coming, you take a big sidestep. That's what she did. And he did something that was unnecessary. And, and uh, Saban just poo-poos it away. And in Saban poo-pooing it away, everybody that loves Alabama not only poo-poos it away, but then dismisses her, makes it out like she did something wrong, makes it out like everybody that's defending her is a wallflower, and creates this whole dynamic that's unnecessary, all because Nick Saban is being irresponsible here and is overly defending a player who did something wrong. It's irresponsible. And it's also, I mean, it also tells us that Greg Sankey endorses what Saban just yeah. did. Because we haven't because, heard from him. Oh, yes, his, we one, have. his one uh, comment we, on it was about, it last uh, yeah, was about the field storming. But yeah. I mean, we, uh, there's no correction coming for Saban, no. obviously. But my, my point, point being, it, it, Another game day later, Jermaine Burton's playing, and you know the the signal from the leader of the conference was more about field storming than it was anything else. In fact, he led the comments off by saying, "I don't think there's clarity around what's happened, but let's back up." This is Sankey last week going into details of why they have rules in place for not storming the field. The video is not particularly clear, but it's clear enough for us to see what happens. It's video. And video tends to give us clarity on what happens. And you guys know where mine, I I immediately think of this whenever I hear, you know, there's more to this story, but I won't divulge that or however he worded that. I'm thinking to myself that Bama doesn't need Jermaine Burton. 
especially this year, this is another week where they another week where they don't have a 100 yard receiver in a game, and I'm thinking they're going. So what's the bigger story? Is the bigger story that um, you paid him to go to Bama, so he's he's got to play? Like, that's immediately what I'm thinking. How do you get Georgia's receiver there, and he does this, and there's no repercussions for it based on the the message and tone that that sends. And I, I I know that's highly unlikely that that's the sole issue here, but I mean let's let's get the full backstory on why there's no discipline, or why you're not willing to talk about it. That's odd. It's everyone who's just coming back and saying, "Well, this is why you can't be on the field." I mean, this last is why- week last week a dude was fired for having a response about Jermaine Burton's incident on Twitter, but yet Jermaine Burton's not disciplined at all over this. He's not apologized. No one at Alabama's apologized. Not said a word about it. He's going to keep on playing. And, and I'm with you, Hutton, on the fact that they don't need – he's not going to make or break their season. No. Nothing he's done this year shows you that he is going to be a huge difference maker. And I'm not saying kick around. I'm not asking for him to be kicked off the team. No, I'm, I'm not just, either. I want more details than that response. And, you know, the, what this is is just a – to me, it was a way to get past the 24-hour news cycle because you – Sankey's already discussed it too, and clearly there was no line of communication. If there was, it, it's Saban had the right to go and do that and play him, right? For like, I'm sure they spoke about it, but we can also read Sankey's comments last week on it when he was asked about it at a conference. It's manipulative, though, because now the Bama fan defending him could say, well, you don't know the circumstances. Coach well, Saban said... You, you don't know the whole story. So they can hide behind that. He knows what he's doing when he's saying that. What he's doing is supplying cover. And it is also a bit odd that ESPN, the high and mighty ESPN, Parents. woke ESPN, won't do or show anything regarding this. They don't show the video. They don't go into any of it. They just have Chris Fowler say, you may remember Jermaine Burton was the player who was frightened during the game. Right. And, then rea- and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. They are not just going to sit there and let Nick Saban tell them how to talk about this issue and not have an opinion on their own. I'd prefer they said nothing. And if you, Greg Sankey, saying what he did and essentially backing Alabama, and oh, now, you know, Tennessee and security guards there, they're the big bad villain and all this because they stormed the field after beating Alabama and Saban for the first time in 15 years. They're the real villains here. By doing that, it just lends itself to more of this Man, that SEC headquarters is down in Birmingham, close to Bama, and Bama's calling the shots with the SEC. They always protect Bama. You don't want that. So step up and show some courage here if you're Greg Sankey and say, we're not going to stand for that. And Nick Saban, of all people, who is almighty and all-powerful in college football, could so easily say, I've talked a lot about how harrowing it is when you're on the field and people storm. I don't like it. It's a tough situation for all of us, but all, all but, of that being said, we're not about that. We're not going to be the ones that are smacking people on the way off the field. I've talked to Jermaine about it. He's a good kid who had a bad moment, and he's going to bounce back for this, but he's going to sit for a couple games and think about it, and we're just not going to be a program a that does that. And you'll that. be hearing game, from like, him. You can you'll say be hearing all those from him things, shortly. But the problem is now Nick Saban has emboldened a lot of people in my mentions who seem to have no problem with men hitting women. Because he is also saying, well, she shouldn't have been on the field. You get what you deserve when you step on the field. No. Her walking on the field during that game does not lend any license to Jermaine Burton to hit her in the side of the head. 
And it's disturbing how many people right. just feel like that's okay. Really simple rule, guys. Don't hit women. Just don't don't strike oh. them. Don't punch them. Don't do it. Do we know anything about a pending lawsuit or anything like that? No, but if I was this uh, girl's dad, I'd be on a crusade against Nick Saban in Alabama oh, after that. Too. I may want it to go away before this happened and hope the kid gets suspended and not to think too much about it. But after those comments, I, I would file charges and I would, I would see to it that that story was out there for a while. Um, I respect the young woman. If she doesn't want to talk and she wants it to go away, Privacy. that's her right to do that. But I'd have a hard time with this if that was my daughter that had this happen to him. And then to have to sit and listen to Nick Saban say that. And what is with the weirdness about, and it's not anger management, as was reported earlier today but by someone in here. He's in counseling. What is he in counseling for? Hating women? I mean, what yeah, is it? If it's not anger management, that is that such a odd. weird thing to say. But that's how they it's phrase it on the broadcast. Reaction counseling. Yeah. That's how they brought- someone reported it. Yeah. The... the, the- Someone reported it after you know, it was echoed on the broadcast that was parroting the same things that Saban was saying in the production meeting. Um, but if it's not anger management or whatever, counseling, I don't know what it would be. Reaction, well, here's, reaction counseling. Here's where it's going to get if weird. If counseling after, yeah, yeah, field storming counseling. Here's where it's going to get a little, little weird. Alabama. It's worth three points. Do you know where Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit will be this week? In Knoxville for Tennessee and Kentucky. That's, that's their next game. And there's going to be a lot of angry Tennessee fans about that and the way they handle well, that whole situation. Not to say anything's going to happen because they're going to be in a, in a press box in the booth right. calling a game. Uh, and I don't think they're going to address it again, would be my guess. But this is a story that's wildly undercovered. And I think that Nick Saban, of all people, with all of his wins and all of his power, this was a very easy time to do something and say something. And instead, he has gone the other direction for whatever reason. Yeah. And that... That but, just bothers me. And it, it, was, it was so easy to, um, to just sit in for a game. I mean, yeah. it, even, even if you don't do that, if, if you do something, just say we've handled everything internally, discipline-wise, and that's, you know. But you don't have to say that, you know, everyone was scared. And, I mean. Don't flip the victim. That's the don't flip only, the victim. That's the only issue we've seen. What happened this past week with LSU? Nothing. Somehow, all Ole Miss players, coaches, support staff got off the field when LSU stormed the field with no issues that we're aware of. Congratulations. And nine times out of ten, it is Alabama on the road where the film storming happens, and we don't see this every time that happens. Um, You know, on the flip side, I am surprised we don't see more incidents from drunk fans doing things. But in this case, I mean, it was plain as day. We don't need to see the, the details of whatever he's alluding to. This was a innocent bystander feet away from the other person. Yeah, and, no one, and no one's going to press Saban on it. No one no. that covers that team is going to ask a follow-up well, or ask to hear the rest of the story. Yeah, not now. It's just going to go away uh, until Tennessee plays Alabama again next year. <laughs> Tennessee fans, or in Atlanta. Yeah, Tennessee fans will be happy to bring it back up for a long time, but no one else is really going to talk about it. And that, that's upsetting to me. Because Saban is better than this, and he could have done so much more. And again, we're not some extremist saying kick the kid off the team. None of no, us no. are saying that. Um, you know, he he's. In fact, we're not saying anything about the other deal with the phone and stuff. Yeah, like, and and look, if someone, if you go on the field and decide to taunt a player who just lost, or even touch them in any way, you're, you're a dude. An idiot. Then you get what's coming to you. Right. I mean, that part of it I get. If you're really going to be an idiot and go getting, you know, chest up to some football player, you might get decked. 
And that's just part of it. But for people to say, that's what happens when you step foot on the field. For that girl that got smacked upside the head who was doing nothing but walking with her friends, come on. Give me a break, people. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Coming up, back to the NFL. Week 7 across the league. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. The struggles continue in Green Bay and Tampa Bay. The Seahawks with an impressive win over the Chargers. AFC South is now controlled through Nashville and the Titans. Tua Tagovailoa returns. Christian McCaffrey made his debut for the 49ers, but the Chiefs send a statement after a slow start in the Bay Area. Dak Prescott returns. Plenty of headlines. And the refs, autograph-seeking, autograph-seeking in Carolina. We've got details on that next as well Now, Kick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Week 7 wraps up tonight, Monday Night Football, Patriots hosting the Bears. Outkick 360 from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Brady and Rodgers, struggles continue. Brutal. Bears yeah. in prime time. Yeah. It's what everybody Bears wants. Bears are back. It ends up being a pretty big game for the Patriots now because the Jets, while winning, lose. They've... They've lost Brees Hall and uh, Paul. You're telling Elijah me about, and their offensive lineman as well. So, two big losses to what was part of their identity offensively. And, and look, Miami got a win last night. It's an ugly win, but this scrap back. Tua looked out of sorts. Pittsburgh should have picked them off three times, maybe three four. four times. Yeah. Uh, but they did what they needed to do. I still feel good about Miami's ability to get back into form. But you're right. Uh, the team we haven't been talking about in that division, uh, are the Patriots. And with the storyline of Mac better. Jones coming back. And yep. Yeah, I mean, you've got there, – there are plenty of reasons to tune in. The question is, will it be an intriguing matchup or do the Patriots just take care of business the way they took care of the Lions? Well, the one thing is um, the, the Bears have a reasonable uh, yards per carry number and the Patriots – have a not great yards per carry allowed number. So if the Bears are going to be competitive in this game, they're going to have to run it with some effect. And that's possible against the Patriots. But ultimately, even if they run it with some effect, the Bears, at some point, Fields is going to have to pick it up and throw it. At that point, I think we all lose faith. Carolina Panthers fired their head coach. They're on a third-string quarterback. They traded away Christian McCaffrey last week, who suited up in San Francisco. And the one in five Panthers beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And not just some like fluke onside kick return, like uh, extra point was blocked or something. This was 21 to three. A beat and it, down. it was not close. I mean, 21 to three sounds like a halftime score. This was not a close game at all. It's 14 nothing pretty early on. And then uh, DJ Moore uh, actually gets involved in the mix. He had his best day this season so far. PJ Walker. 
uh, who, along with Taylor Heineke at one point, were XFL quarterbacks. Yeah, think of the two quarterbacks that beat the two quarterbacks. Just beat Brady and Rodgers this weekend. Pretty crazy. Um, so I brought this up. At what point do we start to hear the rumors swirl about Bruce Arians taking over in Tampa? Now, I, I would think. I mean, Todd Bowles had a pretty good post-game press conference in terms of talking about just how bad the situation is. He didn't try to paint anything as rosy. So I give him credit for that. He said it's as dark as it's ever been or will be or right. something. But I think right from there, the spinoff to me would be, well, what's your fix? What are, what are you going to do from here? Because that team has, you know, Football Night in America, they were saying, well, this is a veteran team. Like Mike Evans said, you know, after he dropped that wide open touchdown catch. Third play of the game. Right at the beginning, he said, you know, I've dropped some bad ones. That's a big one. It didn't cost us the game, but it sure felt monstrous. And um, I could feel the air come out of us. Tony Dungy and, and, uh, and, and Jason Garrett said, that's too veteran a team to let the air come out of its sails from one play. Is it? I mean, there are a lot of veterans on it. But from what they did going forward from there, it didn't seem like they got their energy back if they had any at the beginning. And that's a problem, and that goes to Todd Bowles, first and foremost, right? If, if your team loses its oomph off of one terrible play on the third play from scrimmage, where do you take that back to, first and foremost? The, the headset. He's or not doing a good job. They're not doing a good job, all, but he's, he's at the head of it. Like, it's not going to get any easier either. They're like, look at their schedule. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's, it's brutal they coming get the, up. The Rams, the, uh, they get the Ravens, Rams at home. Then they go to Germany to play Seattle. And the, the and Ravens is Thursday night. Story. Yeah. That's Thursday night football. Um, you know, they're like seven to ten days removed from Bowles saying that they were not going to get Arian's opinion on the offense. You at least have to do that. With that guy, I don't know. I, I, I would assume he's already lending some type of advising role, given the fact that's his title. Why, why is he around he's around if he's around all not the time. giving advice on the offense? And Leftwich should be under heat here, too. Sure. Right? Yeah. This was left to Leftwich because Bowles is a defensive well, guy. Bowles wasn't a good coach in New York, by the way. Right. People, people, and Arian know. set him up to win here. And, and The issue with the offense starts up front for Tampa. Brady has like 2.3 seconds, if we want to round up, on average to throw. And on average, the minimum you want to give a guy is 2.5, and that's fast. And it's the fastest he's thrown the football in years. Um, and by the way, it's the first time since 2002. I think he's been under 500 at this point in the season. Point being, they're not giving him time to throw and set up anything. And then the run game, if you want to say, well, it's, it's more on the receivers, it's got to be more on Brady. He's made offensive lines good in the past. If you just take out the passing game and just look at the run game, they are awful running the football. League worst. Fournette's average per good carry. down around the goal line. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they have really struggled up front. And they lost some pieces this offseason. You know, they had a guy retire. Big injury in the middle of their offensive line. And you know, they were trying to work through things in the preseason. And it, it is not good. And I don't, you know, that's one of those things. I don't think you're seeing the uh, multiple musical chairs across the league now. It's tough to just go find guys off the scrap heap and plug and play yeah. at this point in the season. If you're not on a practice squad somewhere, you're preparing for you know the offseason or you're preparing to USFL draft or, or XFL or whatever. Like it's, it's slim pickings 
for the Tampa Bay Bucks if they're not already in-house or on a practice squad. And chances are, if you try to sign them, the team's going to protect that player and add that player to their active roster. How secretly mad are you if you're David Tepper with that win yesterday? <laughs> to not uh, Just it, to get them a little further away from the number one overall pick, which is what they desire. Well, you still have time. <laughs> yeah. There's still time <laughs> to lose. There's a long way to go. Still time to lose. Yeah, but you're, I mean, you're competing now against Texas. Houston. Who's, who did, thir- who's third worst? I, I think there's a real fight for third worst. Well, keep in mind the... Who holds the who holds the Saints number one pick this year? There's a team that has the Saints pick. Davey will look that up for me. Um, that will ultimately end up being the team that could end up with a number one overall pick if the Saints can continue their losing ways this season. They're bad. Steelers, Denver are two win teams. Saints, Panthers. So don't don't sell short on the Steelers and Denver either. Ravens win by three over the Browns, 23-20. This was was a tight window game. And Gus Edwards, solid in his return for the Ravens. That's why they won. He scores twice. The Browns had a chance to score late in the fourth quarter. They were down by three. A pair of penalties, though, wiped out their chances. Uh, They had a 34-yard touchdown called back. Offensive pass interference called on Amari Cooper. And now the Ravens, with the quick turnaround after... Sneaking out a win here, they now take on the Bucks on Thursday night football. Meanwhile, the Browns take on the Bengals on Monday night football a week from today. And the Cincinnati Bengals might just be the third best team in the AFC all of a sudden. Uh, they, they are have, really They figured out well. how to protect Burrow, and they are rolling. That, that pass he made to Chase for a touchdown as a deep ball had 19.9% chance. I love how they calculate these things. Chad, I'm like you, like uh, or the commentator you said who didn't buy it. Sometimes I, I think, well, how could they really know that? Right. But, um, sounds about right based on the ball placement and the tight coverage that was coming at him from two angles. But as, as far- I, I think they're bad. I think the Bengals are back. I think they're the third best team in the oh, AFC. Oh, they're bad. No, no. I oh, think they're back. Yeah. I, I believed in them at the beginning uh, and, and was discouraged by what they were doing. I think they're figuring things out, and I think they're the third best team in the AFC. And I think, you know, if they keep going on this path, which I think is possible, I think they're a team that could conceivably – Knock somebody off in the playoffs. I believe as of today, here we are weeks going into week eight, I think they would play here in week one of the playoffs. I think that would be how things would stack up. Again, two teams going opposite directions. Uh, big games, though, for Cincy from all three of their starting wide receivers. Tyler Boyd, 155 yards receiving. Chase, 130 yards, two touchdowns. T. Higgins had nearly 100 yards. And Chase came up lame you know, holding his hamstring, it looked like at one point in that game or something. It's an upper leg issue. Uh, Burrow, 60-yard deep pass. Paul, you mentioned the deep throws to Chase. And then, uh, Chad, just to back up your point on protecting him, he was sacked 13 times the first two games this season, both losses. And he's only been sacked 11 times the past five games, and he's thrown 12 touchdowns, just one interception in those starts. 481 yards for Burrow. In this game, it was it was Josh Allen like from a couple of weeks ago, uh, where the record is like 550 yards passing. Both of those dudes at halftime, you're looking up, going, they may get this, they may set the new. I thought that in Buffalo, 
And I thought it yesterday, watching that game up in the, the press box in Nashville. And it really stands out because there's still a lot of crappy offense being played. There's still a lot of games in the teens. Yes. Yeah, and less than 24 points winning games. 24 or less. That's what uh, Dallas had over the Lions. Uh, Dak Prescott returns after five games. Slow starting offense. By the way, the Lions are in that mix for uh, second worst team yeah. in the league right now. Yeah. By the way, I, as fate would have it, the Eagles hold that first pick by the, from the Saints. That's not good. They could have the they could win a Super Bowl and have the number one overall pick in the draft. <laughs> that that would be like uh, one of the best unprecedented things that in the history of the league. That's how you build. Good job, Howie Roseman. And they'd be trading out of that spot and 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 you stocking think, up on you more want, more. Unless picks. you want Anderson, you want Will Anderson? Yeah, Take but him. you could get Will Anderson at three. Maybe. I'm just saying, like you. Yeah, depending on who wants a quarterback, yeah. you're right. But you get a rookie, you get a, the best pass rusher on a rookie contract while you're about to pay Jalen Hurts, you know, instead of having to pay the top flight pass rushers on defense. Um, the refs, bad look for the refs in week seven. This uh, staff, so the, uh, the... Kudos to whoever videoed this, first off. Well, this is just, I think what this is... It's similar to, you know, Vrabel meets the players in the tunnel. Right. You know, I think this cameras are just rolling on this as players are coming off the field and they're filming Mike Evans walking off the field in Carolina after the loss. And you can see Mike Evans being asked by one of the officials, two of them actually, handing him a card or something for an autograph to sign something. Now, you know this situation is they've got kids at home. I would guess. 90% chance, I think, is the truth. Their kid is a Mike Evans fan who has him on his fantasy team. Probably grandkids and, for and, those guys. Yeah, grandkids, yeah. and they want to take it home and, and give it to their grandkids. Yeah, it's our well wishes. Or right. some, which is, I hope that's which, all it is. That's fine if that's your intention. You just can't do it. You can't do it under any circumstances. Right. You know, I've got situations like that where I, I love, it's just in my profession. It's just something you cannot ever do. Well, the way and you, you know that, and you just don't do it. Well, I've been in part of uh, fundraisers in the past. The way to do it is go through, go the through team a PR staff and have them go get that. They, they've got a closet full of stuff, right? You know, that was odd. That it's looks a very bad awful. look. It almost looked like he was handing him a scorecard on the PGA Tour to sign. <laughs> they looked very official. Whatever he's handing him to get signed on the on the way off the field, it, it was. So they a stopped short look. to their credit from pulling out a Mike Evans poster. <laughs> I hear, hold on, I got this tube over here. Let me unroll this, he's got unravel a this poster. He's, yeah. he's, he's, got, he's got it stored in the tunnel. Look, and there he's is takes out the so much contempt for officials. And there's so many fans that naively think, look, the officiating is bad, but there's so many fans that naively think there is actually a conspiracy and that those guys actually are rooting for Mike Evans in that game and would make calls in Mike Evans' favor and would make calls in the Bucks' favor. And they see that. And I mean, this is conspiracy evidence for them. And they will never unsee that and never come to believe that those guys aren't calling stuff in Brady's. They already think that Brady is, is getting calls. And then they see that. And what are they to think? It can't, you can't have that. Not hearing that right now, though, based on the, the, the law. Well, that's the best thing that is happening for those officials. If that was a game that there had been a call in, if that was a game that the Bucs were, were rolling in, it, uh, it's a good thing that was a bad loss. It's also very odd. Um, Mike Evans, who had that crucial drop, they lose 21-3. to They lost two in a row to two bad teams, Pittsburgh and now Carolina. 
and I've got a ref asking me for an autograph right after that loss, that's, that's not good timing for him either. The look is bad, but I'm also watching. Thinking, this is after the game where Tampa got whipped, and then he's getting asked for an autograph? Weird. Well, it goes back to what we were previously discussing. This is the jersey swap era, you know? You've got guys who can't even see the field as first-round picks swapping jerseys with guys at the 50-yard line after, after a game following a loss in week one. Um, speaking of the officials, another awful, awful roughing the passer penalty. Dexter Lawrence yesterday for the Giants flagged for literally grabbing Trevor Lawrence's jersey as he's going to the turf. Not hitting him. He got a handful of his jersey. And as he's pulling him down, he lets go. And Trevor Lawrence loses his balance, falls down, and is, he is flagged for roughing the passer in that game in Jacksonville. What was the, rea- I, what was the reaction in the moment? I didn't, I didn't see this highlight. I mean, it, it, it is. I mean, ev- even the announcers in the game are, are talking about, you've got Chris Meyer saying, that's roughing the jersey, not roughing the quarterback. I don't, I don't, this, this is going to come, this and the concussion protocol will affect a team late in the season. And chances are the guy's not actually going to have a concussion. And chances are there's not going to be anything close to roughing the passer when the flag is thrown. And a there's, free 15 yards in the first down is going to, uh, in a tight game. So I doubt we influence. have the, the rights to show this, but you guys can see this now in real time as I play it. But th- this, is, this might be the worst roughing the passer call of the season. And we've seen some bad ones. Dexter Lawrence is just oh just grabs gosh. jersey. Just, just grabs the jersey. That was roughing the passer yesterday. <laughs> well, Lawrence, Lawrence should feel guilty looking and, for it. And does that. So He's he first brushes his thigh. Then he pulls him like... like, uh, like Literally by the collar. But, yeah, but, but, uh, but like gently, with two fingers. Uh, yeah, as, gen- as gentle as you can be on a quarterback is now... I don't know That's, where we're that, headed with You're this, right, that is the worst. But we, we have entered the... We and he landed on his era. hands and knees. He landed on his hands and knees. He did not land slung down in any fashion. We are in this bizarre limbo set of, of rules now where this is the new what is a catch. I can't tell you what roughing the passer is anymore or describe it well, to the Well, you know what fans. it is if you see a real roughing the I, passer. The, the officials apparently don't, though, and that's the issue. I can't tell you what they're looking for anymore. No idea. Well, remember the, uh, the, the, the no pass interference call for a Sean Payton coached Saints team that yeah. in, uh, in NFC Championship, I believe. And they tried year, to right? review that the next year. Yeah, and, and they failed miserably. And that was bad then. The, you're right, Hutton, in that I, I feel like a storm is coming in a postseason game where it's not going to be because of a no call. One of these things are going to be called, and it's going to win a, a game for a team late. It's going to give them new life. And they're going to go down and kick a field goal to win it, or they're going to score late, where they go for it on fourth down or third, third and long. Yeah. And they're going to call one of these breathing on the quarterback type penalties, and it's going to completely swing a game. And then it's going to be even more controversy. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, they keyed that huge fourth quarter uh, for New York. They made it twenty to seventeen with five minutes to play, and then they came. Very close to icing the game. They end up having to settle for a field goal, so it's 23-17. Jacksonville has the ball back, and it comes down to the one-yard line, and that's how the game ends. This walled-off defense was, you know, they play a picket fence at the goal line. 
The throw was to Christian Kirk. Yeah. Uh, at about the one, and they came up, met him at the one, and ensured that he didn't get in. It was it was a good play by Jacksonville to get him in position to try to get in the end zone. And it was a better play by the Giants, keeping him out of the end zone. It, that's a fantastic ending to a game. We're talking about all the bad games and ugly football. I didn't see much of the game, but that was a very compelling ending. And I thought a great play by one team and an even better play by the other team to keep him out. And the Giants, we could keep saying, you know, it, it, it's kind of, you know, pay, a papery thing. They can't beat teams they aren't playing, and they are learning how to win unquestionably. Very well-coached team. Daniel Jones runs for 100 yards, right? Yes. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And that's, that's hard all, not to buy the Giants. And one. Six and one. They, uh, I mean, the quarterback ultimately is going to do them in. They're not winning the Super Bowl, but they're going to the playoffs. They, you know, they, um, they lost Evan Neal, I believe, to yeah. a knee injury in this game, so I don't know the significance of that. I have not seen that I this morning. I think he might be done. But that, that's something to, to pay attention to because while I think early on in the season he's trying to find his way, I think he's been better recently. And the one thing they do very well is run it. They've, they're keeping Saquon Barkley healthy. No, he's believed to have a grade, grade two MCL spr- sprain based on early tests. This is per Jeremy Fowler okay, of ESPN. Okay, that's good news for them. Could miss some time, but to be determined. Big game this week that we never would have expected. Giants against the Seahawks in Seattle. How about that? I mean, we would have cashed that as a, you know, oh, well, New York gets some some. Well, this would have TVs, been a loser but we would have said regional. Early lead on the number one pick. Yeah, thing, top five you know? for sure. And now it's two teams battling for a Super Bowl. <laughs> Seattle. I mean, Geno Smith, he's the story I mean, those of the are year. the two teams of the year. Seattle, yeah. Seattle's now four and three. Uh, this is their first Philly. win this, this, past, uh, this past week against uh, the Chargers. Excuse me. Uh, they played L.A. in L.A. It's their first win over a team with a winning record. Chargers stamps stink. They're four and three as well after the 37-23 loss. DK Metcalf carted off the field uh, with a knee injury in that one. And if you think about the last two weeks, the Chargers, they have allowed Trevor Lawrence and Geno Smith to combine for 75 total points on their defense. And J.C. Jackson may be done for the year. He was good. benched. He got back on the field and suffered a bad injury. Yeah, he was carted off non, non-contact yesterday. 33 for 51 for Justin Herbert, also not going to get it done. Uh, that's a lot of incompletions. Not quite and, as many as the University of Texas, but yeah. pretty bad Nin- for 19 NFL. for 49 for Quinn Ewers? That's it's remarkable. Also not good. Still having to throw it a that lot. That game lasted six hours. Yep. Um, props to Josh Jacobs. This guy ran all over Houston. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. They don't like him. There was talk that they were you know, thinking about trading him in the preseason, and now he has gone, what, what is it, like three straight weeks now with over 140 yards total offense or something? Um, he joined Marcus Allen as the only players with three-plus rushing touchdowns in the second half of a game in Raiders history. He is rolling. Adam Archuleta um, against the Texans. The Texans are going to allow you a ton of yards. Uh, and, and scores through the run game. This may be the game for Derrick Henry coming up to really see where the explosion is as they take on a Texans team that can't stop anyone. Adam Archuleta said in the broadcast about Houston's defense, it really doesn't matter what play is called. To say they're on their heels is an understatement. Like, yeah. It doesn't... You can do whatever you want to to this Houston defense. That's why I, I jokingly said earlier, you know, but... I, 
it's not really a joke. If Ryan Tannehill needed a week off here with his injury, I mean, hell, the Titans completed, what, 13, 16 passes? Yeah. This week, they could win in Houston with Malik Willis and Derrick Henry running the yeah, ball. Yeah, they can win with Malik Willis doing – throwing 12 passes or 10 passes. Yeah, winning that way yesterday. Against – yeah, against Houston. Now, the week after, you know, they'd be – they're absolutely doomed probably in any scenario with the healthiest of healthy Ryan Tannehill's playing against the Chiefs at Arrowhead. But uh, the Texans, with that soft run defense, right up the Titans' alley. Uh, Davis Mills threw a pick six. They, the Raiders were already up 10 in that game yesterday. So, I mean, it, it, it counts, but it was going to be a route either way. Um, he has not been good. Uh, Josh, uh, excuse me, Josh Jacobs, though, just to, over the last three games, 523 scrimmage yards, six touchdowns. So, True. maybe they pay him, maybe they don't, but... Somebody's He's going to get paid. He's going to get paid. Big opportunity for Derrick Henry against that rush defense this upcoming week. Amen. Coming up, we'll take you through some of the bigger injuries. We've named a couple of them. And it was a we'll bad day. Let you know across the league what's going to play a factor as we move forward through the NFL week. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Plenty of injuries yesterday across the NFL slate for week seven. Outkick 360 rolls on. Uh, Ryan Tannehill left for a play. Titans ended up getting a field goal. And then he came back and finished the game. But was in a boot. Right ankle, foot in a boot as he left the podium yesterday. Paul, you were there. Yeah. What's the latest today? And you also spoke with Vrabel today. He did not look good for the rest of that game. You, you were there. He was uh, dragging that leg around. Um, in the boot, Vrabel said, you know, he's good. We'll evaluate him as, as, uh, as we move on this week. So really nothing. I did uh, see some video and clipped it and put it on Twitter. Uh, he gets clipped by Nicholas Petit-Frere, his uh, his right tackle hard to see there's somebody else passing in front of him cbs horrific never reshowed anything um during the game broadcast they went to break right after the field goal and you're right and they came back i'm standing in front of the tv you know waiting for it waiting for it never showed anything he grabs his knee um uh, after this injury though once once the traffic in front of him clears and he's on the ground he grabs his knee now we've all rolled our ankle it can you know, shoot up to your knee. So I'm not saying it definitively is his knee, but it's not definitively his ankle, I think we could say. It could have also just been the spot that he could reach when he went yeah. down to his leg. He could have, he could have know, reached his it, ankle in, in what well, I'm looking at. he brought his knee up to him. He brought his knee up to and him it, and well, grabbed well, his it knee. Well, it is he definitively his ankle. That means he's in a boot after the game, right? Right. Well, so it, also, it could be a calf. It could be an Achilles. Yeah. Some people have, have, have speculated. But we know Achilles. it's... It's his lower leg. They taped it up his foot, too. Yeah. 
I, I'm, I, was, I, I would be a little bit worried. You know, these yeah. things have a way. You can sometimes play through it. You get a yeah, shot, adrenaline. whatever. You play through it on adrenaline. And then the next day, you know, you're troubled. But if, if it's something super serious, I would think we'd hear from it from a national guy. Titans are good at keeping things quiet. But generally, that stuff gets out. So if he had a bad MRI today... I would think it would come out because it tends to come out. Well, yeah. if it's a high ankle sprain, I don't see any way he plays this week, at the very yeah. least. Probably a couple weeks. I don't know how he finished the game if it's a high ankle sprain. It had That's to be a, Titans, a, a, some powerful adrenaline Titans to, showed to finish some, that game. Titans showed some tremendous toughness yesterday. Ben Jones was really grimacing, and he was a mess. He only missed one play. He came back. Um, he and Vrabel had an extended hug in the hallway. Vrabel waits for his players right outside the locker room. Jeffrey Simmons said his was a sprained ankle. He was down and surrounded by teammates who looked really concerned for, for a minute before he left the field only for a snap also, I think, Hutt, or that might have been the end of a series, but he was back for yeah. the next series. So three key guys who went down, came back, and, and slugged it out. I think it'll probably be a relatively light week of practice uh, for the Titans, and definitely those those three guys, uh, you know, I'd be surprised to see much practice out of them. I'm going to go rapid fire here. Brees Hall done for the year with the torn ACL, the rookie running back. His season is over. J.C. Jackson, uh, he's done. He was, I, I, I presume so. He was carted off non-contact injury. Mike Williams, uh, the receiver, also carted to the locker room after injuring his knee. Uh, the Giants rookie tight end, Daniel Bellinger, taken to the hospital yesterday after a hand to the eye during their win over Jacksonville. They, the, the Giants have put out there through Brian Dayball that he fractured his eye socket, and he's going to have surgery to repair that. That's brutal. So that's another piece to their offensive front. That's down, Evan Neal's also banged up. DK Metcalf for the Seahawks carted off. Uh, X-rays X negative. But we'll find out later today if he's going to have to miss time. Short time, and then we hit the headlines and outkick 360.